Baron Von Undermunch, he's coming to eat pussy. Baron Von Undermunch, he's really just gay and he doesn't want to have vaginal sex. Oops, that's my story. Huh? Literally every every girlfriend I had in college, I would make an excuse not to put my penis in her. Oh. I just ate every single one of them out. I mean... It was like, it was like, um, I kind of like disassociated from it. Yeah. I don't blame you because I mean, if you were very much in the closet and coming turn to terms yeah. with your sexuality, but didn't know how to address that in a physical sense, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I can only imagine how rough that had to be. I mean, yeah. You ever, you ever eat jello that's too done? Like you cannot, you know, you don't overcook Jello, but you know, Jello that didn't have enough water in it. Yeah, and it's kind of like tough. It has that like <laughs> film to it. Yeah, yeah. It was like the consistency of those little uh, uh, needles that you pull off of a fresh tire, Ooh. or yeah. or you know, tough like putting a bicycle tire on when the bicycle tire is new. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like the consistency of that though, because then they kind of become like gummy. Uh, chewables yeah. um, they used to when i was in college and i don't know if they still make these things but they used to have a pouch of aspartame basically but it was these little jello cubes that you just eat by hand but they were overdone jello so that you could eat them that way and you just pop them in your mouth and you're good Th to go. these weren't like the the like the official jello stuff that's already been pre-done used to be able to buy that in the convenience stores are we talking about the same thing it's just a pouch of cubes so I'm assuming, like, well, like yeah, it's pre-done, but yeah, but it's not Jello branded. It's like some third-party thing. Yeah, it's just gelatin, like just general brand. <laughs> you know, man, that's like the the grocery store pre-done tofu of of kids snacks. <laughs> it's like you know, tofu a bit is oh honey, bit all oh, bit oh honey. honey. It's like I I want to have candy, but candy. God, there was this really good like toothpaste for dinner. Like, oh, I love bit of honey. I love almost tasting something. Yeah, that's like my mom really liked Mary Janes growing up, and she gave me them to me. I was like, I have no idea what they are. I mm. still don't know what they are. I want to say there's some sort of like toffee esque, you know, adjacent candy that's just mm -hmm. sort of existent or mm. extant. Hmm. And I, I mean, it's from the era of penny candies where you go down to the store and give them a penny and they'd give you something sweet. But, you know, that era doesn't really exist anymore. I'd go no. down to the store and get those Ninja Turtle gummies that they're just literally like, remember creepy crawlers? The Were those ones that, that they would sell it like in like pudding and stuff like that that look like dirt? Kind of, yeah. Or is this something else? Well, creepy crawlers are the the gummies that you essentially make at home by like oh yeah and, yeah it was basically that but individually packaged ninja turtle things along with the um little ninja turtles pudding pies i was very big into ninja turtles and so you know with vanilla pudding power and whatever happens, <laughs> you're just getting a cream pie basically and it, it, yeah it's Aaron asks, remember the candy bonkers from the 80s and i don't i don't but that sounds very familiar mm. Were, were they like gushers or yeah. actually let me look up bonkers because I have to announce on Twitter anyway. That I like to thank. Oh, gosh. Which social media did I talk to him on or was it a text? Um, 
Uh, nice folks sent me this hat. There's another one out there if you want it. Uh, it's just like Visit PA. It, it, it looks it looks like a cap that just that it's a cap that has the appearance of like it's from the pencil, like the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Department of Tourism, <laughs> but it's fake. <laughs> so it's like I don't know. It's it like seems very it, it's official. Yeah, it looks, but it's not. It, it's it's just this like I, I forget. I'm sorry, I forget the website. It's like PA rep. It, yeah, it's like rep PA or represent Pennsylvania, and it's just like this brand that just has the Keystone symbol on stuff. Yeah, and I really, really hope it's just for this like uh, irony circle, slightly vapor wave. Uh, not sure what the hat is about. Does it mean anything? I, I hope it's just for fun. And I really, really hope the company uh, behind this isn't like some dumb Trump supporter or something like that. Because yeah. um, that would suck. It would suck. But hopefully it's it's a delightful apolitical because I don't like, you know, none of my cars ever had symbols on them. I don't put bumper stickers on anything. Mm. Um, I think the last car that had any sort of decoration on it at all was my old Toyota Echo. And all it had was six outlines of uh, Ford excursions on it. Like they that I got from a mini magazine, uh, like a mini Cooper, mini Cooper, something, something from like 2001. Hmm. This magazine, like my mom found, oh, you like cars, Brian. Here's the thing about mini Coopers. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And the idea it was it was supposed to be there's a name for like in world war ii where you had silhouettes of enemy planes that you shot down <laughs> there's a name for whatever those are so this mini magazine was selling uh these like stickers that you could put on your mini that said i beat all these cars and i just picked out all the suvs and they were all four excursion silhouettes and put them on my toyota echo and the idea was i get better gas mileage than all of these put together yeah. Um, that was the thing because they were all get like nine or something like that. And I could, I could mix my, make my echo touch like 44. So I think I had like five of them there. Nice. Yeah. Three, then two, then one. Yeah. I had five of them on there. So, um, uh, well, yeah, that was the closest thing ever that I had a symbol on anything. I had that dynamat sticker on the, the uh, Toyota or the Honda fit. Yeah. There were no stickers on Goldie at all. Nope. Um, there are no stickers on well, the Forerunner. Except, except for the brief period where you uh, used tape to indicate that it was a shuttle. Right. Yeah. Really it said shuttle on it in vinyl, vinyl sticker. Yeah. But I mean, and honestly, like the Niro doesn't seem like the type of car that would be, you know, it. Well, it yeah. wouldn't really make sense as a car that you would put a bunch of stickers on. Looking at it up close, I honestly thought it was going to be smaller. It's much bigger than I thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, it's not huge, but it is more on the crossover type yeah. sedan looking thing. It's a, it's a taller vehicle. You sit upright. There's less storage than you think in the cargo area in, in the back, which is strange because there's nothing underneath that floor, but just a foam outline of where your spare tire would be if you got it. Yeah. So they could have made that floor pan deeper if they wanted to. Um, because the whole deal with the Niro slash Kona is that it's, and I mentioned this before that 
you can, the, the platform is made to accept ICE, hybrid, or EV. Yeah. So there are, there is wasted space, no matter which drivetrain it has. So I, I think the regular ICE car has more ground clearance because there's no underslung battery pack. But then you're going to lose space in the rear because you have a gas tank there. Yeah. Whereas this one doesn't have that, which I, I don't get it. There's there's a couple cubic feet of space being used up by nothing. They just filled it up with like foam sections that I guess you can lift up the thing and sort of put stuff there. But I wonder if some like third party would will come out with something where you can just take all that extra stuff out and there'll be, could be a drop in uh, like 3d, like a bit, it would be a big piece of 3d print, but 3d print box that would fit in there. So you can, um, you know, have a deeper cargo area in the EV version. Someone already made drop in because there are four cup holders in the front of the EV, two in the doors and two in the center console. The ones in the center console are covered, our, our combination, either a square center console, and there's two buttons that you press, and the, the cup holders are spring-loaded. So a ring, like Stargate, <laughs> springs out, and there makes a circle. Or you pull it back, and it retreats back into the sides. So you can huh. even have square, or you can have two more cup holders. So you can pull them back, and someone made an organ, organization tray that just fits on, into that. So already there, the cars, on the platform's only been out for three years and people are making stuff for it. So I hope someone out there uh, would make something. It sounds like something Andrew Lamb would do. Yeah. Um, so uh, everybody in the chat, I need to leave in, you know, honestly, we've got plenty of time. <laughs> you know, normally we go for an hour and it's already been 10 minutes. We may be able to finish this. Just normally I got, I have a hard out at 3 PM, which is in an hour and four minutes because I agreed to go pick up some hikers like an hour away, ah, all the way out past Palmerton. And it was my fault because I gave a soft yes instead of a hard yes. And they interpreted like, here's, here's the email exchange and you can see where I went wrong. Um, I, in a very Jocko Willink way, I forgot, I, uh, I miss in, I miscommunicated intent versus the denotative definitions of my words. Hmm. So it was in a very autistic way. I did not commit, but they heard commitment. And, uh, so but even then it's just such a soft committal that comes with no hard times right. that I'm surprised they wouldn't follow up for clarification rather mm-hmm. than just assuming the yes. Yeah. What these guys said, hi Eddie, we're a group of two hikers, uh, plus a friend. We are looking for some shuttling Thursday afternoon, Smith Gap road to Palmerton trail 873, which is the wrong highway. I think, uh, something, something wind gap road, here are our locations. And I said, hello, Hoops and Outlaw Pete. This is Eddie. Blah, 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 blah. I am available for shuttling on Thursday and Friday. And then I counter with, you will get a better price if you call a shuttle that's closer to your pickup and drop-off locations. Uh, it's $60 per ride. Um, and they respond with, so there would be three riders on Thursday and one rider on Friday for a total of 120 for both days. And I said, yes. 
says, okay, we have ridden with you today to Cabela's and would like to give you our business. Let me review the trail and nail down pickup times, but it would be likely about 4 p.m. for each spot. And I say, okay. Or and right there was the committal. Like what, what they said, uh, okay. okay. Rather than I understand what you're saying. Um, said, we are at Cigars International. Can you pick us up? So I already drove these guys back and forth from Port Clinton to the trail. All right. Because that was going to be my follow-up of like, why you specifically? Because that's kind of a big financial commitment when they could get someone closer. I don't know. I'm just intrinsically kind of suspicious of people. And I'm like, maybe they just like know who you are and just want to hang out or something. But if you've already shuttled them before, then I, and they want to give you your business or give you their business because they mm -hmm. enjoyed shuttling with you last time, then I understand it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So yesterday said, this is Outlaw and Hoops, just confirming three pickup hikers tomorrow, Smith Gap Road to the parking lot, 4 p.m. tomorrow. And I said, that is a big negative. I'm so sorry I have to work. Oh, so they counter with, look at the above messages you have confirmed with us. We build our itinerary around what you said you would do, exclamation point. Oh, oh dear. And so they just copy and paste all of this. And my first thing was to think, I never said yes, but there, the word yes is in there even though my, I was just agreeing with what they said. So the intent is clearly there. Like I'm going to pick them up. So I find a way out and it says tomorrow's Wednesday, not Thursday. Oh, wait, I'm all mixed up. Sorry. I've been shuttling hikers all day and I totally lost track of what day it was. And they said, tomorrow's Thursday. And I said, you're right. I was wrong. Sorry. And so they said, here's what we're thinking, blah, blah, blah. And says, okay, let's, and then they just reiterated where they wanted to get picked up and drop off. I yeah. say, okay, let's get this squared away for tomorrow. Sorry, didn't mean to give you a heart attack. And they said, phew, we were panicking. So tomorrow is a go for 4 p.m. Yes. Um, blah, blah, blah. Sorry to make you panic. I never add you to my calendar when I gave you a soft yes. This is a good learning experience for me. So when I give a hard yes, and this is something that I mistakenly thought everybody knew that this is how I operate, but every single hiker I talk to is meeting me for the first time. So when I give a hard yes, I copy and paste my Google calendar entry for them into the text message. This is your confirmation, right. but I did not communicate that effectively. And then we went back and forth because here's the thing that hikers do that I don't like, but they assume I know every inch of the trail. Yeah, I don't. They normally will give a landmark. I am at the blank. I am at the trailhead. I'm like, the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm on the side of a highway. I think it's highway 51, 61. You mean? Yeah. Fair play to them. Like by the time hikers get to Pennsylvania, they're all fucked up. They've yeah. been in the woods since February, March, April. Oh. They've kind of forgotten how life works. I'm all every single day. I say to hikers, get out of the road yeah. because they'll stand there packing. They'll, they'll put their pack in my car and just be like, a <laughs> and they're standing in the middle of the goddamn road. Yeah. Get out of the road. <laughs> get out of the road. Get out of the road. There's cars coming. Get out of the road. Move to the side, move to the side. And I, it's like, it's like when I substitute elementary school kids, it's like the, the, the situational awareness of a hiker when they leave the trail just goes to like 5%. It's unreal. Yeah. How, duh. and these are intelligent people who are like engineers and IT folks. 
and like consultants. I met a fucking fed out there. Yeah. And they just lose and they just lose their entire sense of how the civilized world operates. Yeah. And it just, I mean, honestly, there is a trail awareness and then there's real world. awareness. Robert Rice says, can't they just share their location to you? Yes. Uh, not to get generational, but Gen Z hikers are the best. They send me <laughs> screenshots of where they are. They send me Google Maps pins. They send me Apple Maps pins. Here's where I am. Boomers can't do that. And Gen Xers can't do that. It's, it's like when you meet someone and you say, I need to go to somebody's house and they start giving you verbal directions. I'm like, give me the address. I'll just punch it in the deep GPS. And then they just railroad right past you and say, well, okay, but listen, you go this place to give me the address. Like, I'll and you're like, it Jesus out. Christ, what's wrong with you? It's Matto says a person is Spartan. People are dumb. I need a drink of water. I'm getting go fired for up. Get fired up. Getting his dander up. Yeah. It's something where I think this happens every shuttle season where the lack of clarity becomes a point of aggravation. Yeah. But I feel also like there are people who pres make too many presumptions in that regard of mm -hmm. assuming like by the same token that you don't know the trail, they don't know like what any of the routes around here are called. That's why like literally just find out, just look at your freaking Send me a screenshot of your phone. I'll find you. Yeah, I will find you. There's so much stuff where I have to interpret what they're saying. Yeah. And, and the hikers all sound the same. They start talking the same. They seem mm. to have the same cadence. Unless you have a pretty thick accent, they all start to sound like... South. I was going to say South Park hippies, but that's too much. I mean, it's, there is a specific vocal clip. To, no, wait. Yeah. This is politically incorrect, but it's an accurate statement. A hiker, after being in the woods for a while, develops what sounds like a mild case of broker's aphasia, where they can't seem to finish a sentence. Uh, they're not real. They're a bit scatterbrained and scatter speeched. Yeah. They will. Throw darts all around the dart board of their. They will throw darts anywhere but the inner ring of their simple subject. Yeah. <laughs> like they can't get to the point. Yeah. Like here's the intention and they, all around. But. That is a unique thing. There is a difficulty in communication and I'm not sure where that comes from now. Okay. This, the simple answer is probably the best. They're tired. Yes. They are fatigued. They have just hiked 25 miles today. They're hot. They're hungry. 
they're at a calorie deficit, their feet hurt, their back hurts, they're, they, they have bug bites, they're wearing knee braces. Um, this is a crazy endurance sport. By the time they get to this area in Pennsylvania, they've hiked about 1,200 miles. Um, I know that when I do hard cardio, jogging or hard stuff on the elliptical, my taste in music plummets <laughs> and goddamn does St. Elmo's fire sound good. Mm. Um, I can't think. Yeah. And some, when, when I really go down, like, uh, the music I select is Moni Moni by, uh, Oh, I have no idea. Here hey, she comes no, now. No, say no, Moni Moni. It's a Billy Idol. Oh, I don't um, think it's, it's, it used to be on jock jams too. Yeah. Enough. It's pretty, yeah, it's jock jams. It's, jock jams. I will listen to uh real American by, uh, you know, Rick Derringer. Rick Derringer. Um, and, yeah. you know, wrestling music comes up, you know, like the Rick, you know, Rick flair and macho man, which, which you know, it's just pomp and circumstance, but oh, it's awesome. Uh, Panama, Panama, uh, uh that. <laughs> and, um, Oh, uh, this is like top gun. Yeah, that's a good one. Top gun themes. Great. Yeah. Um, ludicrous. Definitely. Oh yeah. Like, but at that point when you're getting into like early two thousands hip hop and like the, the, the heavy bling area of rap, but it's, that stuff is more self-aware that we know this, this is rap pop with this this don't think about this too much yeah um although um i think there were two different meanings for um bombs over baghdad because that predates the iraq war i think that was like 99 or 98 hmm, uh, now i gotta consult the oracle yeah let's see bombs over baghdad is like seriously if you need a second win put on bombs over baghdad that's amazing. It is released uh, in 2000. Bombs Over Baghdad was 2000? Yeah. All right. So, yep. It was a reference to the Gulf War of the early 90s. Okay. Uh, Henry, Henry Callahan, thank you for the donation, says, Hikers get out of the road should be a header or banner on your forerunner. Yeah. <laughs> get out of the road. Stop standing. Hiker, stop standing in the middle of the road. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, because it's like you said, if if they're at a calorie deficit and everything about them hurts. They're thinking about how they're going to, how you're going to make things more convenient for them rather yeah. than how they can make things more convenient for yeah. you when it has to be a system where y'all are working together rather yeah. than at cross purposes with each other. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're just going to kind of stand there and not really know yeah. what's happening. Why am I looking at my phone while doing this? Why is anybody I mean, looking at anything while doing things? I mean, it's like a natural human inclination. Um, I mean, honestly, it's something where I was looking at my phone earlier, just looking at various automotive stories of the day, like uh, BMW charging for the heated seat component. Gay. Which is already on their, you know, I don't know. It's, it's like one of those things where like the hardware is already there and – why are you going to put something behind a paywall? But also the people who can afford it are probably 
just going to pay to have it unlocked anyway. But it's still dumb. It's like, I don't know. It's the whole loot box idea in gaming. It is. And it's the They're making a money grab and somebody in marketing saying, how about this? And people said they, they did a projection, the amount of people who spring for that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it, that destroys its value on the used car market, presumably, yeah. because, you know, it's who's to say that they can't revoke that access once you sell the car. It's true. It's it, but it's very, it's very, very short-sighted. And I hope there's enough protest on this that they'll backpedal big time. Yeah. Um, because if one can get away with it, then, then that, then yeah, everybody else is going to do slippery it. Slippery slope. But, um, uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, Aaron Crutchfield, I chimed in. Haven't you people ever heard of Get Out of the Goddamn Road? No, um, I've been saying all someone needs to do is make an external wiring harness with a couple of physical switches and sell them on eBay. You know, you can make your jokes about China, but there's always going to be a workaround, and that's where it's going to come from. Yep. Someone will figure out a way. Like, I want a 220 charger. I was, uh, thank you so much to, um, God, get the name right. Of uh, the person who, uh, the electrician from last time who. Uh, oh, Russell. Yeah, Russell. Thank you. Yeah. Russell. Uh, Russell yeah, I already talked to him. He got a very nice quote and I said, fantastic. Um, I need to get a 220 charger for the garage. He's going to hopefully we'll set up a date. He'll come out here, run a 220 line. Uh, he will have to rent a uh, entrenching tool to bury the line Oh, because um, the box is on the house. I thought the power came in through the garage and then came through up here, but no, the power comes into the house and then goes underground and then goes to the garage, the detached garage. So, um, he'll have to run it through the yard and uh, he gave me a price and I'm like, fine. And I need to talk to Greg and make sure that's okay. And then I need a charger and there's also, you're at a paralysis by too many choices on Amazon. Of <laughs> all these like knockoff, unsure of everybody making a, uh, a, um, a J series plug, um, or CCS plug. Now CCS is CCS just fast charging, but a CCS has the J plug and But also the J plug is the J plug without CCS fast charging, whatever the level two charger. And then they make ones that, that are just like big Xbox style adapters, which is what I have for the, uh, the 110 outlet, or they make ones that fit on the wall that have like Wi-Fi enabled and everything like that. But the Wi-Fi doesn't reach to the garage. So I guess why have that? Um, I'm just worried about stuff like, is it really UL listed or is it, or they just say it's UL listed. That's the one thing you're just worried about how, how, what's the quality of the, of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the gauge wire. Cause it's thick gauge wire. See, these are the types of problems that I feel like really 
codify your adulthood in the sense that like, these are problems that I don't have because I have a condo. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it's one of those things where, you know, I, it would make more sense for me to have a house, but also am I, am I ready for the responsibilities of home ownership? No. Mm. And I would like to think that there is a measure of maturity in acknowledging that, but also, I mean, I kind of like the setup that I have now, even though, there are certain aspects. Yeah, you don't have to mow a like, lawn. You yeah, don't exactly. have to break I don't have leaves. To clear a driveway when it snows. You know, it's right? All of this stuff. I mean, my mom. You have central air. Yeah. Even you don't have to drag AC units in, in in and out of windows every twice a year. Yeah, it's loud as balls though. So like, if I'm playing like for example Forza, and I'm in the middle of like I'm really vibing and doing all the the you know just race and then all of a sudden like the central air kicks in and it's loud as mm. shit and suddenly all that music I can't hear it and I have to turn it up so that I can hear it but then when the because so, it goes in cycles once it stops I'm like being blown away it's kind of like the whole thing of you know when you turn off your computer and you don't remember how loud you left the volume and then yeah. you hit play on something and suddenly you're being blown out to yeah the back of the room Man, in the XP days when when computers were, if you had like a gaming computer, they all sounded like they all sounded like cordless Ryorbi vacuum cleaners <laughs> or like dust busters. They were all like, how many fans did I have in my old one? Actually, now, yeah, now you just have like the 120 millimeter fans, like the big slow turning ones that move a lot of air. But back in like 2002, you had like the tiny 80 millimeter ones and you had like four or eight of them. Yeah. All at the same time, and going, and you turn off the computer. It's like, wow, it's really quiet in here. That's like my laptop running anything more complicated than like video editing software. Just because I don't know, I I don't have a ton of capacity. I really should get like a better card. I should really get a new laptop. Yeah, you're but, talking about your keys, yeah, because my my Q and my one don't work, <laughs> and so I copy and paste them when I need them, but. It's something where I don't, I like this computer and I don't want to have to learn another one because when I first got this computer, my brain was still muscle memory linked to the one I had previously so that it was taking me like an hour and a half longer to write like every RCR that I would add. And so it's just like all, everything is everywhere else and I don't like it. So I'm just. Everything's you know, different. Awesome. These aren't the, the way that a book. Why can't stuff stay the same? Yeah, just leave it that way forever. We we peaked. What more do we need? All they're gonna do is like delete features that I. That's why I can't do iPhones because I need a headphone jack. Mm -hmm. I can't do Bluetooth headphones. It's not how I roll. Mm -hmm. um, it's just another thing that I got to remember to charge that I'm not going to remember to charge. Mm. I, yeah, it's hard out here in these streets. Yeah. Oh, I hope someday they make a drug that can just make old townies just like think it's 1979. Oh yeah. Or like, like a drug, like uh, what was that kids in the hall movie where they had that Gleaminex or something like that? I'm going deep here with like improv comedy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Some sort of drug that makes uh, old townies just think it's the bicentennial again, just like 1976. And they can just, sit there i guess that's lsd maybe yeah, yeah. or the correct amount the like the correct amount of weed 
and like chocolate chip cookies or the chocolate <laughs> chip cookies with M&Ms in them. Oh yeah. Just get them into a place so they just don't have to sit at the local bar and just you know, like drink Yingling all day. You ever have cookies by milk? It's this cookie brand that in are in some supermarkets, but it's like this tower shaped box that is, uh, they all have weird things in them. So I recently got the ones that are chocolate chip, marshmallow and cornflakes. Mm. It's interesting. Are these like gluten-free stuff or no <laughs> are they plant-based something? Oh God, no. They're just regular ass hmm. cookies. Although like each box comes with four individually wrapped packages of two so that it prevents, I guess the intention is to prevent overindulgence by uh, okay. giving you a recommended serving size. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it's just, someone's name is just one underscore nice thank you for the canadian money hey brian do you still play drums yes i think i i recall you having a yamaha dtx yeah i had a dtx explorer um do you have any interest in playing at all yeah i sold that and bought a marching bass drum and nice. i'll be playing with some friends in like two weeks doing sort of like a new york new orleans style uh uh band thing down in philly and uh I what see what I want to do is do something like brass hop where you know it's which is pretty much like Carolina State's marching band <laughs> where you, you you get the hip hop style into it and you just play like that. Yeah. Because like that was my influence growing up was just like Public Enemy and and Beastie Boys and all of that sort of stuff like heavy rap loops. So you give me a drum, I end up playing something like that, you know. The the Amen break of course because that was everywhere. Um, and so I bought a marching brace drum, something I thought I'd never do is buy the instrument. I hated playing senior year because I didn't practice. See, I was on, Mar I was on bass drum all four years of marching band huh. outdoor. Now we get deep in the weeds here with like, um, with like schoolastic band stuff. But, uh, we also had an indoor drum line, which is something even weirder. It's that picture over there where we're all dressed as like, Very I was nice. one of the army guys on the top, the four green people on top. We were all bass drums. Oh yeah. Tom Mansell played bass that year. What he could it? do everything. He's a tall, he's the tallest guy on the top row. It's ah. my buddy, Tom. So who are the two on the bottom supposed to be like character wise? Okay. So like the theme, the theme of that show was called bed, bedtime hijinks. And the idea was, uh, a uh, little girl goes to bed and is that Kimberly Tolkien or something like that? Um, uh, so there were actors in this indoor percussion ensemble show. And I'm serious. This is how niche sometimes some like, look, it's so weird. This is such an East coast thing. Uh, indoor drum line. It's, it's okay. Imagine marching band indoors played on a basketball court with just percussion instruments which means you can have marimbas and other things that can play chords but no wind you have to do anything if you can smack it and it makes a note fantastic those are the rules and you all compete with each schools schools have these and you and you play music. And of course, you can have your, your tenor drums, your quads, your quints, your, your six drums. Each drum is tuned to a different note. And you can play music. Yeah. So the theme of that show is a uh, little girl goes to bed and all her toys come to life. So everybody <laughs> in the battery 
uh, would freeze in between songs and uh, uh, the mom would come in and just say, oh, go back to bed and we all freeze. And then we come back to life again and something like that. So, yeah. That's the most homework club shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's it's kind yep. of adorable in its way. Yeah. You know? It's, and we were into that shit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was, like, if I ended up, if I ever served, I would know, like, I knew how to march, like, I didn't even have to think about it. Yeah. Because doing that outdoor all year round, just staying in step with every, everybody else. Okay, dress left. You just go off the person next to you and uh, your foot falls on, on the beat. Just boom, boom, boom. That's that's marching. I can do that. With, and anyway, so but because I never practiced, I never got off base. Uh, I never was all that great on snare. It's like, God, oh, these are a lot of notes to think of. Yeah. And. But I got to play snare one year where we did uh, like a, an Irish style show or Gaelic style shows. In retrospect, it was very an Amer Americanized idea of like classical Irish music. Of course, he did the Washerwoman song and all that stuff. But, but you know, it works well with uh, marching snares because it's very staccato sound. Yeah. And I played snare for two of the three songs. I started off in the pit on timpani, which honestly wasn't that bad. I'm like, oh, Yes, there's a lot of responsibility playing playing timpani, but I don't have to march. So every time we worked on the first set, I'm like, this is great. I don't have to march. <laughs> I'm right here. I don't have to set stuff. They're working on sets. I don't because half the half of marching band is just set work, meaning yeah. not music. Where are you making these designs with the, everybody's bodies out there as you make lines and they all move around so being in the pit was like hey, i just sort of hung out i think i was doing homework like when they would do sets i think i would just do like trigonometry homework like okay it's time to play again oh. and i improvised so much of that fucking shit i i knew half of the music and that's such a drummer thing to like i don't know the parts in this but i'm the only one playing timpani and this is Irish style music. So as long as I'm playing triplets, fuck great. And I'll never forget it this one time. Like somebody was messing up music. And then so Todd, the drum instructor, was like going through every section. Like, I'm tired of you guys like not cracking and your music. Blah, blah, blah. You, cymbals, play measure something to something. And they'd play it. And like one person would mess up. See, you're not together. And then I would go through everybody else. And then pointed at me and like, Brian, uh, play the measure that we just stopped at. Just go and measure back and play that. And I'm like, fuck, Ooh. I don't know what it is. I don't have the music in front of me. I don't know what I just played because I was just improvising shit that sounded correct. Yeah. So I looked at Todd. I looked at him and I just played something <laughs> and I did crossover stuff. And when I did it, I just brought my sticks back together. Like right where you, you um, like when I say brought my sticks back together, drop, brought my mallets back together. Uh, you cross them. So there's the mallet head on one side, mallet head on the other side. Just done, 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 done,
See, Brian knows it. <laughs> I'm like, fuck yes. Hang on. That's fantastic. I mean, that whole time I was getting nervous. I was listening. I'm like, no wonder you can't watch Whiplash. That sounds traumatic as hell. Yeah. It's, but it's, I feel like that's kind of the situation that I would dread being in, even if I were like theater. But the mm. difference with like theater is that there is no improvisation. Either you got the line or you didn't. So it's even more baller that you were able to just like re-improvise the thing that you did. Yeah. <laughs> and- yeah. But I didn't improvise the thing that I did. I just, I just, I just played, I just had the theme down. Yeah. Which was just triplets. So a good enough, <laughs> yeah. good enough for whatever Todd to make his point. Good enough for an attaboy. Yeah. Which is always, never, you know, that's man, I'll never forget that moment. Mm. It's like, that's up there with me not getting suspended for cheating on a final exam. Wow. Um, in Mr. Patton's class. He's probably senile now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, 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 even though what? That's high school. So you have no power here. here. It's just what I had like nine pens for my final Latin exam with answers written on every oh, single one of them. I the had them trick. I had them up my sleeves. I had them in my fucking shoes. And I think he knew that there was something up with Brian that he keeps putting his pen away and coming back. And they were all the same pen, too. Mm. Yikes. Get to these super chats. Uh, Cody in the chat says, "How I've been enjoying the Adam Friedland show. Uh, <laughs> that I'm not even sad that Come Town is over anymore. Um, I all mean, things end. All things end. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, it's a good show i feel like it has the bones of a good show in the grand scheme of things now granted like i kind of felt like maybe stav might have stuck around if it wasn't already if the writing wasn't already like they already said they were winding down the podcast anyway so there's no real reason to stay if you do a stand-up special and it starts doing numbers but Mm -hmm. i don't know like if it were me i just would have until the wheels fall off like I just would have kept going. Yeah. Or find a way like, look, I'll do this. Uh, I'll do this once a month. Yeah. I'll do this once a quarter. Yeah. And we'll figure out a compensation that, that allows for that. Yeah. Um, Colonel Splendid says, nice how man. much of a sin is it to have a WRX with an automatic? Love what you do guys. Keep it up. I'm assuming you have one. How much of a sin is it to have an automatic Corvette? Hmm. I mean, is the guy waving to you on the street going to know it's automatic? I, I, I can hear a CVT a mile away. <laughs> um, look, dude. If you want an automatic sedan with all-wheel drive, Look, if you bought one, fine. Take care of it. Change the oil. Um, WRXs, regular standard WRXs are for fucking up and fucking around. They're a cheap all-wheel drive something to just beat on. That's what they're for. Or to save for like 20 years and then maybe make your money back when when all the other ones get blown up. Like the ancient baseball card theory or maybe Pokemon cards. Having an automatic one 
Yeah, it makes less sense than an automatic Corvette because that's still an LS and it's still fast. Um, you get the power from a WRX by ringing it out. And I don't know to what extent you can do that with a CVT or automatic. Um, is there a saving grace to it? And I don't, if there is, I can't find it. Um, yeah, if you want, um, Subaru Outback XT and auto makes more sense as without a manual because at least you have a good cruiser and you got it can do other things but a wrx is a pretty specialized car uh it's for whipping around corners it's for doing neutral donuts in the snow it's for embarrassing jeeps it's for sucking down gas it's for smiles per gallon not miles per gallon <laughs> and if you eliminate some of those smiles i mean It's like a weird Al Yankovic line, but are we playing horseshoes here? No, I don't think we are. You're close, but no cigar. Ah. Um, are, we, are, we, are we tossing hand grenades here? Nope. I mean, it's the type of thing where it depends on where the smiles are coming from. If it's something where you're getting that the endorphin dump from being seen, in the WR or just being able to say you have one. Um, or if, I mean, ultimately the drive doesn't matter as much, but even then, then you're not getting, then you WRX. buy a Volkswagen, yeah. then you buy a Volkswagen GTI with an automatic yeah, or a CVT. Cause that's better. It's more comfortable. It's quieter. It's just as fast and it's a better cruiser. Cause if you take away the automatic, you're left with something that's more, it's, it's more meant for cruising around. So the rest of the car should support that. Um, a manual transmission can save a lot of poor, a manual trans, if you have a manual transmission, a manual transmission forgives poor, a poor interior and poor, uh, comfort level inside the car, but automatics are for comfort Yeah, and also for slow off-roading. And honestly, if you need to do snow work and where your attention is going to be divided. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Count your rosaries, I guess. I guess. It's not a big sin, but you know what you did. Uh, someone in the chat asked a question. I think we've answered it before, but are there any cars that we wouldn't review? And I would think, like, there's no reason to ever do another Forester. Uh, but um, I guess a stock XT, we didn't cover that. We didn't cover the third gen XT. Um, That's true. I mean, we did the current one. So cars we wouldn't do like a car that. Uh, well, I mean, if it just like if it belonged to someone evil or like if it just wasn't roadworthy, like they should show. Yeah. Up yeah. Like falling apart. Yeah. Like, no, um, but yeah, it, it's, of course, that's more has to do with the owner. Yeah, and like the owner the wants itself. like concessions or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, will you blur my plate? No. Can I have final cut? No. <laughs> Can I have all the footage? Mm. 
Maramba says, greetings from the Philippines. Hello. Hey. Thank you. Thank you for liking our show. Very nice. Shia Poof says, to infinity and I'm going to call you back. <laughs> to infinity M callback. Maybe it's a callback to, to an earlier Callback to an infinity. And did we have an infinity? That's something we haven't done in a while. The yeah. What Nissans. was the one that we did before the... Cars infinite. Quaxum. Hello, Quaxum. With the nice price. Wait, nice an price. all percussion ban. Uh, do you know if there's there's one in Pittsburgh and where do I sign up? Now, this is like high school stuff. So the answer is probably no. At that point, like stuff, uh, like all your semi-pro stuff out of high school and college, that's just, that's just any drum and bugle core. Uh, Senor Cheesy says, thoughts on the EcoSport, looking for a cheap all-wheel drive. The EcoSport what? I feel like they are in the regular chat. Exp um, let's see. Senor Cheesy. Senor Cheesy. Um, let's see. Uh, Sounds like a, like a bad wrestling gimmick. <laughs> Whoops, meant thoughts on the EcoSport. Uh... No, that's what you said, isn't it? That's what he. The hmm. EcoSport, like an engine, like Ford. The Ford EcoSport. There's the, Ford EcoBoost. There's EcoTech EcoBoost, and what is EcoSport? It's a small Ford crossover. So it's a car, not just the engine. That's what I thought. Eh, I mean, it's buy a Rav Four, man. Or because Rav Fours are big. Buy a Crosstrek. I mean. I don't know. I have to talk to Bruce. He he really didn't like the escapes. He doesn't like their small stuffs. I think the Chevy Cruze had problems. Uh, if like current ice cars, here here here's what I'm learning. Like a lot of current like um, economy cars, yeah, are using low friction oil seals. Um, underneath you know the the compression rings of the engine they need high compression with the least amount of drag they can so uh the oil seals aren't going to be as thick and maybe not put the same amount of pressure that they do on the cylinder walls to try to get the most miles per gallon out of the engine which is great uh there's less frictional resistance inside uh the downside is that you're going to have more blow-by, more oil blow-by um, as a result. So these new smaller engines will consume oil. So you may have to check your oil every thousand miles to see if it's like a quarter of a pint, uh, uh, like quarter of a quart low, um, which is an interesting thing. You're trying to make a very, uh, pollution-free engine in that it doesn't have to work very hard uh, to function, but it's also going to be burning a little, a tiny little bit of oil. Obviously not to the extent that a rotary engine will or would, but that exists. Um, I'm echoing some of the sentiment of Car Wizard to say we're seeing plastic parts uh, that are exposed, plastic engine components that are exposed to a lot of heat. Um, 
that are great for leases, but bad for long-term stuff, all in the name of reducing um, uh, costs, uh, uh, improving uh, assembly, and also reducing weight, of course. Um, but all of these things do come at a cost for uh, the used car market. Yeah, passing the costs on down to you. Yeah. Um, um, I say if you're leasing, even though I think leasing, leasing an economy car is incredibly stupid, um, you lease big, expensive stuff. Um, an EcoSport is Ford Chevy Cap Captiva. When is it? This is like... I, I knew I had the first thought of getting old when I didn't know who Hoobastank was. <laughs> and like, what is this band? They had the reason, right? Yeah, they're the, they sing yeah. I'm Not a Perfect Person. Mm -hmm. I like that song, I'm Not a Perfect Person. Um, uh, hey, ho, both of you. Can you speak any language other than English? I guess Nick can speak Spanish. Um, like, I used to know a tiny bit of German. But now it's reduced a bit of Wumpenstee on a Klankenwagen. And that's even wrong. It's just me asking for the ambulance. Oh. Um, that's it. <laughs> yeah, my Spanish is horrible. I mean, honestly, there are... I mean, it's it's not as bad as I say, but it's still pretty bad. I, I mean, I'm better... See, because part of it is... Okay, people think I have bad hearing because oftentimes I'm just saying, huh, What? It's not that. It's that my brain takes a second to process what was said mm -hmm. and then organize it into meaning. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially the same thing with Spanish. And a lot of native speakers like my mom or, you know, my grandmother, um, God rest her soul, I uh, they would speak it really fast to the point where I'm kind of like, it's hard to process, even mm -hmm. if it's something that I understand. So... I don't know. My Spanish has just never been good, but I can say some things, but mm -hmm. like, for instance, I go to the flea market on Sundays and there uh, are a lot of Spanish speakers that I interact with where I'm just only barely getting by if I'm getting by at all. Yeah. And uh, it's funny cause it was kind of like their auto memorabilia weekend. And so, I mean, half the vendors there are all, you know, down home, you know, Montco, people but for the most part it's you know just something where i'm trying to fake my way through these conversations just to get to the point where i'm like can i look at old magazine that no longer is a thing yeah you know um but yeah it's i don't know oh you're getting the big Messages. Hi, Eddie. We got your name on the trail from a guy named Matrix. Wondering if we could get a ride in about an hour and a half from Hawk Mountain to Windsor Furnace where we parked. It's going to be a negatory. Okay. I would imagine. Um, how come Nick doesn't say have a start in any? I'd love to, uh, but I'm booked up until about 5.30 p.m. So unless they can find something to do. Unless that works for you. So, so why, why Nick doesn't sing? Oh, yeah. just, uh, it's, it became like too time consuming. And I realized uh, I got a lot more done with the sob video when I didn't have to 
like spend the time like because you would think for a jingle that it wouldn't take so long but i get really annoyed by like minor imperfections which is funny because even when it's like good i still think there are like a ton of imperfections but then like i not like trained in any reasonable regard when it comes to music so i'm kind of faking my way through now i imagine i'll still do them for like special scenarios or like that thing that we were talking about of like the radio yeah. guy where radio i'll guy. send you a song for my album that's coming out but it's something where like it, it's something where i i just I, I had all this free time now and I'm like, wow, I'm yeah. getting like more done. Like my, you know, by the time we sit down to write together, I already have like three pages of stuff. And yeah. that's because I got, and from like, my end, when I'm done editing, the video's done. Yeah. It's, it's up. It, yeah. Yeah. I don't have to wait like, for a song anymore. Exactly. And it's great. It's like, simplistic yeah because half the time i would like forget that i didn't send the song, song. and i'm just like ah, ah so i imagine like maybe for the christmas special i'll, I'll, I'll bring uh, how about like that outro. yeah yeah but it's not something where i feel like in any way that and like it was part of the thing of i wanted us to just get to the video faster because mm. i felt like a song is kind of okay, you're going to skip it. And then all of a sudden you're going to be in the wrong point of the video and then you're going to have to go back and it just creates more problems for the people. So I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I love how hikers like complain. Uh, I'd love to, but I'm booked up about until about five 30, unless that works for you. Their response. Ugh. <sighs> Do you have another name by chance or can, can anybody else? I don't know. Fucking look, you got, it, it, it's so strange. Like they don't seem to want to do like their own legwork. Uh, there is another Eddie. There is another Eddie. And this is like me doing, this is me being a nice guy. Why, why does this piss me off so much to have to like do hikers research for them? <laughs> like shit they, they could look up and now I have to do it. Well, I feel like if you were the one hiking, you would hope that someone had done that for you. But by the same token, you would understand that you're annoying them by doing it or by expecting them to do it. Yeah. Oh, uh, thank you for the kind words, Mr. Headcrab, um, about the Cameron Diaz experience. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, I, out of all my RCR diaries, it's probably my favorite one, or at least one of them, you know, it's. Do it's you a, have his number? <laughs> no. There you go. There's no, I don't. Stuff. It, it's like, let me Google that for you. Yeah. But again, these are people who are all blown out and maybe not have service. Something like that. Okay. And then they say thanks. and Okay. The little bless up sign oh, yeah. is like, that's yeah. nice. For some reason, every time you talk about like, through hikers it never occurs to me that they're american i always imagine someone from like skyrim <laughs> just you know they yeah. have an accent they're not from america they just i have no idea why it's just a dumb thing that it, until you were mentioning earlier that they kind of have that like hippie cadence or along those lines and i just cannot I'm like, oh yeah, okay. They're from America. I don't know why I thought it's like Eastern. Every European. single one of them is a 61 year old man trying to use a galaxy phone <laughs> in everything they do. I press the thing and it didn't thing. 
verb. It's like every time I learn something new, it shoves something old out of my head. Shea Poof said, "Video of the forerunner doing mild off-road trail soon. I'd love to do that. Now we need it. Now we need a car that can go off trail or, or go up a trail. How do you film a forerunner? You need another forerunner or a jeep or something like that. Yeah, I mean, we could take it up uh, state game lands or something like that, um, and get some nice footage." Uh, this is where I need to hire like someone else to like drive or uh, just drive the car around while I yeah. film it. There's no real places to like romp around apart from like, I don't have to drive like all the way out to, to uh, uh, Roush Creek off-road park. And I'm like, the whole point of my forerunner now is that she's a garage. She's an asphalt queen Ooh. because there's nothing because she's so clean, so fresh, so clean. And I almost like shout out to Cosmo tire for giving me decent tires for that thing. Um, but I was almost ready to just put like the most road style tire on there. Like I didn't want like any sort of side tread or anything like that. I wanted to say this forerunner never leaves, the, never leaves the asphalt. Now, of course, with like trail work, Today, I am going to be going up dirt roads, which in about 15 minutes. So you know what? Let me just see, you know, like Smith Gap something. And I'll, I'll keep going if you have to okay. bounce. It's not. Uh, so that was a question about. I have to pee, so. Uh, Ooh, nice time. Uh, so, oh, that's that's the, I got to, I, I got to do a safety poop before I leave. Where am I going? Wind. I'm going 45 miles away. Yeah, I really need to leave like, okay, so it's an hour, 10 minutes. So really, I kind of need to leave now. So I'm going to poop really fast when Nick gets back from the bathroom, and then I'm going to hand the podcast over to him, and uh, he can finish this. Uh, Eisman says, could you give me advice on this? I have a Ford Ute. Uh, that is based on the Mercure XR4TI. Should I convert it from rear-wheel drive to 4x4? Should I spend a bunch of money on a classic car? See, the first thought would be, are you going to get the money back? Probably not. Is there anything, like, is it going to become better than a Subaru? Look, it's your car, your canvas, do what you want. Uh, should I do it? If you're building like a fun show car to like show off and display your engineering prowess, then yes. If you're going to build it to like do real four by four work, you, you would be better off with just a Subaru that you don't care about. That's my knife. Seth A says, how are you liking the EV life? Peace and love from a fellow East Coaster. So far, it's uh, I was annoyed the other day that I had to go get fuel. For the forerunner. Yeah. I had a, and I'm echoing something that, uh, from it's at, is it Alex or Alec from technology connections? Or is Alec? that, or am I thinking of lazy game reviews? No, that's, that's Clint. Hmm. Yeah. It's Alec or Alex from technology. I, I should know this. Anyway, technology connections had this thing about, you know, the CCS and fast charging and how that worked. And, uh, he said, um, he had to go get gas for something or something. And that annoyed him. Like I got to waste time to go get 
range for this gas car. And it happened the other day when I just had to put some gas into the forerunner. I'm like, yeah, I got to go out of my way. My car is just not ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, the convenience, even with trickle charging, is quite nice. Um, Shia Poof said, your iPhone has no audio jack. How do you feel with with this? See, I fully embrace the, the, the Bluetooth and whatever. I bought these Sony cans that last for weeks. Wow. So, Because they're big, so they have a big battery in them. Like for like flights and stuff, I don't think I ever charge them. They were just, they lasted the whole flight. Now my little in earbuds for the, uh, for the gym that you have to recharge those. But yeah, um, stuff I love, like again, planes is leaving my phone at my seat and <laughs> going up to pee and still having, listening to whatever podcast I have yeah. and not getting tangled up in the wire. So I like that. So that is, okay. uh, technology connections name is Alex. So on that note, uh, Tag out, and I'm going to go take care of these hikers. All right. Good uh -huh. talking to you guys. Have a great weekend. Good talking to all of you. Oh, wait. Why am I saying we don't go somewhere? All right. So you are all stuck with me now for the foreseeable future. And by the foreseeable future, I just mean for however many more minutes I feel like doing this. But I expect viewership to crater. And that's all right by me because as long as – Anybody's here to hang out. It's great. Um, so I saw the Elvis movie the other day for my, well, the other day, freaking Sunday for my birthday, which was on Monday. So it's not even like a birthday birthday thing, but it was great because I, uh, uh, it's Baz Luhrmann movie. And so, you know, you're going to get a lot of, you know, visual, visual eye candy that's redundant, but <laughs> It's a very weird movie and Tom Hanks is doing very weird things, but the cars are all lovely. And for whatever reason, there is a lot of, you know, talk of Cadillacs because I guess that's always the, the, the idealistic car that you want to get once you become famous so that, you know, uh, Jerry Seinfeld always talked in the show, talked about getting his, like parents a Cadillac and it's funny because I never think about pink cars existing if they're not Cadillacs so I uh essentially was coming home yesterday from filming and I see this um this uh Mary Kay Cadillac Escalade pink um, with Mary Kay lettering on it. And it's very odd to me to see that we're essentially in this era where people are still selling cosmetics door to door, or do they even sell them door to door? But the idea that you would have this pink Escalade with Mary Kay branding on it in a way that looks very official, you know, cause it looked to be, you know, stamped, steel on there i i don't know it's very uh very bizarre and uh oh whoops nope 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 sorry now i'm doing things All right here we go and boom. see this is me trying to do things while juggling 
the podcast at the same time, which I'm really not good at. I honestly have no idea how Brian is able to do, you know, uh, <laughs> these Brian and use solo. I mean, honestly, there's not really that much, uh, to know that for me to know, but yet I'm still not good at doing it. So I had a question earlier just to stop like rambling in circles because that's kind of what I do. Um, I was essentially, uh, <laughs> there I go again. I need to stop saying essentially, but I was looking in the live chat and someone was asking what the next RCR story would be. And, you know, um, there is a story that I've always wanted to do the life story of Randy Lanier because he was a formula one driver or just a motorsport driver in general who was essentially a, oh, there I go again, who was a, uh, a, a drug trafficker more or less. And so you end up with this story of a guy who is really a huge star on the rise in the automotive industry or in motorsports rather. And it essentially gets sidelined by this entire, you know, ramshackle goof troop operation of running of drug running. And it's so strange to me that people now granted, I don't have the full story yet. And it's something I would have to do a lot of research yet to see if it actually would sustain its own RCR story. Because for me, I uh, feel like obviously the the personality profiles don't do as well uh, performance-wise as, say, the life and death videos. But I generally operate under like a one-for-you, one-for-me mindset, which is mostly to be able to say that, you know, I do the one that people are requesting, and then I do one that I think is kind of weird and interesting. So, I mean, there's a lot to look into. There are some, I would love to do an RCR investigates on the second channel about, you know, crimes in the automotive industry that it's maybe not in a narrative style video. It might just be me talking to the camera and posting, you know, photos and documents, it's just something that would be out quicker. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, Aiden Millard did a story of Randy Lanier on his channel. I'll have to check that out. That sounds really interesting. I mean, I was hoping that someone would have a video on him. I think, I want to say Donut Media has a video on him. It's just a matter of finding the time for these things. I mean, Donut Media has a video on everything. And so I feel like they're really, you know, covering a lot of bases in this regard. Um, Seth A. asks, how's this car search coming along for you? Uh, not great. Uh, <laughs> because I... Um, circumstances being what they are um i uh am at a point right now where i can't afford to replace betty i mean it's not like i'm broke or anything it's just i have more pressing matters uh so i'm just trying to get all of my sort of priorities straight you know so that i can kind of have the freedom down the line to get something that i actually want now i understand that <laughs> It makes me a great big hypocrite to be able to say that I would optimally not like to lease, but then end up leasing anyway, because there's only so much that I can do in that regard. But I mean, like right now, for instance, uh, my girlfriend, uh, she was driving a Mazda CX-7 
with over 200,000 miles and she had it forever, but it's ended up uh, dying on her. Um, it was going to cost way, way too much to fix. And the odds of it dying on her again fairly soon would, the, the odds of that were pretty high. So um, we went to the same dealership, believe it or not, that we filmed the Callaway Corvette at several years ago and ended up getting a Nissan Rogue and it's been working out pretty well. I mean, in a way it's sort of a lateral move from a CX seven so that it's familiar, but it has certain amenities that we didn't have before, but we are leasing that because it's something where, you know, I'm just not going to, you know, it's, it's kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't thing, because if you get something on the used market and you pay out front and or upfront and you own it outright, that's great. But also what other problems are you inheriting and what things are you going to be responsible for? So where you don't necessarily have, you know, a warranty or backup in that regard, but I mean, and granted, you know, I'm hoping to have this car paid off inside of two years. Optimally, I would like that. But it's something where I don't know. And not knowing is okay. So <laughs> I see that's the thing is a lot of the issues with my anxiety over the years has been has stemmed from a formless sense of dread so that uncertainty becomes the defining aspect of how I feel in any given moment. And the way that I sort of overcome that in certain scenarios, which is not to say it doesn't still get to me, but the way I overcome that is embracing that uncertainty, acknowledging that I'm not going to know and acknowledging that if things are less than ideal, not even necessarily hard, but just not the way you want them to be, that you accept the, that it's a situation that, within your ability to control, um, you try to exercise the most control that you can over a situation, uh, but not beat yourself up too hard when it's something you can't really change. Uh, it's almost like the serenity prayer. Um, but, Oh, Quaxima Fittida, uh, you are asking, have you done an RCR story on George Bessa, murdered chief of Reno? Um, I didn't do a story on him, but his murder is covered in the AMC RCR story, I believe. Um, part of the reason why AMC is probably one of my favorite solo videos that I've ever done um, is because I like stories that are essentially, uh, take another shot, that are um, almost so large scale that they become separated from the thing that they're actually about. So the way that I would explain it is lost, for instance. In a very micro level, it's about people who crash on an island and all the mysteries surrounding that. But at a macro level, you know, the story keeps expanding out and expanding out and expanding out to where you end up realizing it's these stories, story between these two, like, you know, hundreds of years old 
sort of custodians of the island who are and, and spoiler for like a 12 year old series or yeah, the finale was in 2010. So whatever you've had your time, but the idea being that it's something that is far grander in scope and scale than it would appear to be on the surface. Um, surface, sorry. Um, uh, to those wondering where Mr. Regular is, he had some uh, AT shuttle things to go do. So he's going to do, go do them. Uh, so you're stuck with me. Uh, but uh, yeah, lost in that story. That was a problem. I mean, it's, I feel like the story is really kind of abstract. It seems clear to me that they were just kind of making things up as they went along. But, um, but in the same sort of ballpark, the AMC story, it starts out with, you know, the sinking of the Lusitania or, <laughs> you know, it, it covers an assassination in France. Um, and it's, all of these different things that sort of uh, coalesce into one larger story about an automaker that sort of um, came up short for, but not for lack of trying. Um, thank you so much for the compliments on uh, Fordlandia. I I didn't realize until I finished the script for that that for an RCR car story, there were literally no cars in it. It's just literally about Henry Ford and his attempt to, you know, make his own rubber plantation and <laughs> creating his own America town in Brazil. And uh, yeah. Uh, hey, Nick, you think you and Brian would like to do a 2021 Chevy Silverado trail boss? Um, yeah, I can't imagine that that wouldn't interest Brian. Brian makes a call on all the cars that we review. Um, mainly because he's the one with the access to the email that we get submissions through, but it's something where, um, I mean, if you make suggestions to me on social media or anything, like I always forward it to Brian, um, just so that he knows to keep an eye out in the submissions for that thing. But you can submit the car through our website, regular car review, singular, Dot com and there should be like a submission form there so yeah uh, definitely if that's your car um please submit it and hopefully we can make that happen but no promises or guarantees because like that's the thing i kind of feel bad when people submit their cars and they kind of like expect a response about whether or not we're going to do it the thing is we get so many submissions that to answer each of them would be kind of restrictive uh, to our time and things wouldn't really get done. I kind of wish that there was just a bog standard reply that we could send out. That's just like, Hey, thanks for your submission. Um, you might hear from us a year from now, who knows? Uh, but yeah. Oh, submitting manual Saab 95 arrow wagon right now. I told Brian to keep an eye out for Saabs just because we haven't done enough of them. Uh, I, want to say we did a sport combi not too long ago so uh yeah oh my shirt uh says uh, and uh, ignore my nips uh it says no entiendo which is basically you know i don't understand in spanish but because it's similar to nintendo it's novelty shirt i have a lot of novelty shirts so yeah um 
I, I <laughs> can you review my 230,000 mile maxima? Um, you know, honestly, we should probably do more Nissans just so Brian can go over his general dislike of Nissan. Well, okay. I don't think he dislikes Nissans. I think he just has a thing against the Altima, which to be fair, I kind of do too, because most of the times where I come across irresponsible drivers doing irresponsible driver things, whether it's incredibly slow turns that could cause an accident or, you know, just sitting in the left lane or merging without a turn signal, it's Nissan Altima drivers. And I know it's wrong intellectually to single out these drivers in that regard. But also, you know, I, uh, I don't know. It, it's like, how many ducks do you have to run into in a given time frame to say you that's an analogy that's not actually going anywhere. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, the 932.0 Sport Combi you reviewed was quite a conversation piece, LOL. Good buddy of mine has the aero version of that in a six-speed, and it's actually quite fast. That sounds really cool. Um, granted, anytime I see a sob in the wild, which is incredibly rare, I think it's only happened like once or twice in the past year, I, it's always usually like a 9.3. Um, but they're usually not, you know, sport combi or, or well, they're not usually, I don't know, they're bog standard, but I still find an appreciation and a certain beauty to them. So yeah, uh, Jonathan Miranda, Roman, you're my Puerto Rican role model. Love you, brother. Keep it up. Uh, thank you so much. Love you too. <laughs> um, I, that's one of those things that's so wild to hear to me because I always feel like I'm the worst Puerto Rican in the world. The probe was before its time. It was a sexy car. Huh. Well, I mean, that's that's possibly the first time I've heard a probe called sexy. Um, but, I mean, you know, it's not something that I would necessarily disagree with offhand. Uh, I always like hearing people's reasons um, for, yeah, that is an unfortunate name for a car. Uh, I'm assuming that's what you're referencing. Uh, but, I think it's a design philosophy that's kind of more on the softer side of things, um, which there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's just a different philosophy. As a matter of fact, let me bring up a probe on my phone to sort of make sure that I'm not thinking of the wrong car because I'm just have this weird thing where I think I'm actually imagining one thing and I'm picturing something else entirely. Yep. I was picturing, picturing something else entirely. This is like a cross between sort of like a, like a late eighties, early nineties Mustang and a C4 Corvette. I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about like the early nineties, but uh, I mean, that's kind of where my brain immediately goes is to the early nineties uh, or the mid nineties. Or the late 90s, just the 90s in general, let's say, uh, because I am always chasing the dragon of my youth. And <laughs> I feel like that's the indicative part of a millennial generation, although I feel like the nostalgia is a lot more pronounced in Brian because he's technically Gen X, I think. So it's something <laughs> where I'm always trying to go back in a way. Um I have a whole playlist full of 90s songs. My girlfriend made a playlist of 
like 90s R&B songs that I've been listening to. So it ends up occupying a lot more of my brain space than it probably should. But realistically, you know, I miss the period where cars sort of looked like they were from San Francisco rush (laughs) Uh, or, you know, it's just that lean, slightly curvy, but also a little bulky. I, 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 I just, I don't know how to explain it. It's a very specific design philosophy that doesn't always track, but I don't know. It is what it is. And I hate saying that, but it's almost automatic at my point. So um, as a person living entirely not in America, the Ford Probe was something exotic for me. Like Ferrari level exotic. Hmm. Let's see. Let me bring up another Ford Probe, see if that's a... How many of these... Like how many generations was Ford Probe? Or, yeah... Let's see, Ford Probe, liftback coupe from 1988 to 1997. It was derived from the front-wheel drive Mazda G platform that underpinned the Mazda Capella. So, yeah, it's funny. That type of car is, so it was, you know, the Ford-Mazda partnership, which, I mean, that thing was probably a blast to drive. Uh, Nuts. Does anyone have a Ford probe that they want to let us review? I would really enjoy getting to drive that, even though most of the driving impressions are Brian. Um, I'm mostly history and other jokes. Uh, my 27 or my 20 something leather jacket wearing Led Zeppelin listening mom drove a black probe when I was in preschool. And I thought she was just about the coolest person in existence. It sounds Colette like I would like your mom a lot. (laughs) So yes. Um, These are all kinds of Euro Fords we never got in the US. I moved to Scotland a couple of years ago and it's weird to see Ford cars and RHD Mustangs Uh, in Scotland. Wow. See, I never think of Ford as being an international brand, even though I know they are. It's just odd to me, you know, but I do wonder what the gray market is like in other countries that aren't here. I know that, for instance, you know, um, like a Toyota pickup, for instance, like back in the eighties, back when it was kind of like the high lux, but not really, uh, because it was in North America and it just didn't have a name. It was just Toyota pickup. I could see those being popular on the gray market. I could see, you know, those types of offerings that, would become popular in small towns where, you know, the roads have no names Eh, that's corny, but you know, I'm thinking like small pickup for a small town for someone who is using a pickup as a daily driver rather than solely for work purposes. I've seen really clean looking small Toyota pickups very, very rarely, but like incredibly rare, rare, but it's something where I could understand why they would be popular in that regard because a small pickup, it is something that engenders a certain sense of connection that is lacking in a lot of other more big, needlessly excessive offerings. So um, 
I always get reminded when I get, I always get surprised when I get reminded that Citroen and Renault are vehicles and that people buy them. I mean, honestly, it's, I think people tend to have different expectations for what constitutes a car. And so in that regard, Nissan or not Nissan, uh, Citroen and Renault, uh, they just seem to be kind of exotic and almost dated the minute they come off the line. But well, yeah, it's like jet noob says, like I'm in the U S (laughs) so, um, it's something where I'm not going to have a lot of familiarity with those cars. I feel like the extent of my Renault familiarity comes from working on the AMC video. So like, I don't even know necessarily what I would be talking about. So I'm just completely talking out of my ass right now, which what else is new? Um, Oh, you guys would really be mentioned on come town episode 306 timestamp 745. That's really cool. I'll have to check that out. Um, I've met Nick Mullen before. He's a really nice guy. Like I, not that I didn't think he would be, but he just like total gentleman and hilarious dude, a really cool guy. Um, and yeah, it's a great podcast. So yeah. <laughs> um, Citroen DS is so beautiful. You're so beautiful. Let's see. Um, I feel like I had other stories to relay to you, but I don't actually recall what any of them are. Um, and I need to stop saying, um, ugh, so many things I have to, man, how many of you people had experiences with probes? My school principal back in the nineties had a probe. My buddy in high school had a probe V6 and thought it was a straight up race car. My aunt had a burgundy probe. Doesn't get more early nineties. Uh, let's see. Wow. Feel like the only one who didn't have a probe. I would totally get fleeced by car salesmen in Europe. No idea what half of the models are. The Ford probe was extremely popular for like two years. Um, ever find the info on the bonkers candy you were looking up? Uh, yeah, actually, and they look like um, I forget the name of the candy, and it's gonna be funny if I actually am thinking of bonkers, but where you bite into them and they're like liquid filled, but they kind of look like. Remember back, like the the almost like a in a bubble. It's just kind of way back when gum was uh, all square shaped, like a big cube. I, hmm, what were they called? But yeah, bonkers. I remember bonkers now. I almost never had bonkers just because I wasn't a big candy guy growing up. Weirdly enough, I was into dry cereal. That was like my big, my big. Uh, sort of snack i would do you guys ever have almond delight it's basically honey bunches of oats but i would just take like a box of that up into my room and you know in between playing turtles in time or you know wrestling with my brother and just sort of just just throwing it in my mouth or king vitamin which would mess up your mouth way worse than captain crunch anyway but <laughs> uh planners peanut butter crunch was amazing back in the day crying out loud did you eat it from a feed bag too i mean granted it kind of was a feed bag if you think about it it's a bag of food uh translucent mylar bag of food um but i mean granted there were all sorts of really weird things i ate as a kid i remember being uh when i would be hungry during lunch on like a saturday afternoon and 
you know, my mom was busy doing something else and I would just make myself a freaking butter sandwich because we had uh, squeeze butter and we just squeeze it on some wheat bread, you know, just it really is just, you know, total struggle lunch, total struggle lunch. So I it's it's the equivalent of, you know, struggle puffs where you're just, you know, pouring milk over ice cubes or something. Uh, but I think my fav- favorite struggle meal, which is actually kind of a pricier meal now, was my mom's uh, corned beef hash on white rice. But it wasn't like diner corned beef hash. It was kind of like Puerto Ricanized corned beef hash because you had the, the, the just all the spices. Um, it, it was just something that, I have not been able to recreate myself and I really need to get the recipe from my mom so that I can make it again. Cause it's so, so good. And I can't really explain why other than, I don't know. It's just very satisfying, you know, all that sofrito in there and all the, I, I just, it's so mm, getting hungry. Just thinking about it. Um, cinnamon checks was my snack of choice. That's a good choice. Um, I didn't often get to, have really really sugary cereals although if you think about it all cereals back then and technically a lot of them now are super sugary i do remember cinnamon mini buns which was an amazing cereal that i wish would come back and really exciting podcast right now talking about cereal but in the grand scheme of things i i was just like in love with that cereal and then they discontinued it i just remember the commercial of this baker with a driving a delivery truck full of cinnamon buns and he gets hit by a shrink ray and it's like, Oh, okay. Well now it's we took all those buns and we're putting them in a box and giving it to you as cereal and just add milk. And it's great, but it doesn't really explain why it's crunchy now, because even if those cinnamon buns were shrunken, they should still, you know, theoretically be soft rather than cereal crunchy. So yeah. Uh, All right. I have to pee, but I prepared for this um, in that I have crafted a loop to play uh, or a content loop. So hopefully, and this is actually a story that I told my girlfriend last night that I had read earlier before on the can. So, okay. So there's a story dating back a couple of years ago.
broadcast to the entire nation of Japan and becoming a huge celebrity, arguably the biggest celebrity in the entire country. And he becomes a best-selling author when they take the letters that he's written to people on the outside, bunch them together, and publish it as a book. So that by the time he finishes his stay in the apartment, which, I mean, in the grand scheme of things is, I forget how long it had to be, whether it was a year or less or more, but he was basically in there until he made a certain amount of money from these giveaways. But by the time he actually got out, he ended up being like a really big celebrity. He was basically the most famous person in Japan that didn't even know it. What this has to do with cars? Absolutely nothing, but this is just a placeholder like OP. So hope you enjoyed it. And I wish I could remember the names of anyone involved, but my memory is terrible because I was reading about this story while I was sitting on the can using the book of Uncle John's bathroom readers. And scene. I don't even know if anyone could hear that. <laughs> Let's see. So I'm back. So yeah. Oh, let me mute my phone. Here we go. Uh, hollow Live. What's Hollow Live? Does anyone know? 2,000 milligrams of sodium is a bad idea. Yeah, it is. That's why I can't really eat risotto risotto that often because it's just a sodium bomb, no matter how you make it. And But I love risotto so much. I mean, just as a Puerto Rican, I feel like I'm <laughs> condemned to not having the longest lifespan. I started eating very sodium-rich foods as a kid, but... In the grand scheme of things, I did eat really, really well, you know, considering our situation, which I make it sound like we were poor, but I mean, I don't think we would be technically classified as poor. I mean, I guess I did technically live in the projects, but it's not really the same as the like projects projects, or maybe it was, I'm not entirely sure. See, now I'm uh, rambling, but yeah. Mm, new Fortnite emote, uh, <laughs> if you want to drop it in there, yeah. So uh there was one thing that i wanted to bring up that i completely forgot to mention unless i already mentioned it before and am forgetting that i did in which case that's no big surprise for me but basically i was looking through my documents looking for things to kind of delete and get rid of and i found the first three pages of an rcr story that i started writing in abandoned about ford and holden's rivalry um it's interesting because I wish that part of me wishes I would have finished it, but I know oh, sorry. basically the, the time that I would have been working on it would have been around the same time just before I started the AMC video. And that ended up working out way better for me. So I don't, I don't feel like I made the wrong choice, but for all I know, maybe that would have done better. But now I'm trying to remember what exactly, um, what exactly the full story is. Maybe it's something that I can just like start back up since so much of it, not so much of it, but like a start for it is already written. But um, what are some other RCR stories you guys would want to see? I mean, I've had a lot of recommendations in the past, but I don't know for sure what people would actually really, really want. Um, I feel like I've exhausted the ones that people really wanted in uh, Pontiac amc and sob although i will say that um i get a lot of requests for um 
what was it, Type B racing. And the thing is, I always worry about the motorsport ones because I don't know a whole lot about motorsports, and I feel like I'm just going to get the verbiage and the whole rules set and everything um, wrong. So it's something that's hard to really get correct on my end. I, the Isle of Man TT video is probably like the most motorsport-centric one that I've done. I know the John DeLorean video and the Mickey Thompson videos also had elements of motorsports to them. Like every one of those, these videos have some motorsport elements, but they're not usually so directly focused on motorsports. So I don't know. Uh, it's just something to consider as I go on. Um, but yeah. I'm going to start a oh, Fiat Lada story can be told from some interesting historical perspectives. And I'm going to take a photograph of this suggestion so that I remember it. Do, 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 do. History of Rover. RCR stories on Carlos Gosen. That dude's life is crazy. CEO of Renault who later had to get smuggled out of the country in a box. Wow. Yeesh. NASCAR. <laughs> What's funny is NASCAR would probably do numbers, but I I wouldn't even know where or how to begin talking about NASCAR. Uh, um, I don't know. My girlfriend's dad might enjoy that one. He's a really good guy. He gives me car magazines that he doesn't read anymore, and I've gotten like so much mileage out of those things. They're great. Um. Yeah. So I think I'm going to start wrapping up here unless you guys got any more questions. In the grand scheme of things, I have probably talked way more than I had any business actually talking, considering my intellectual output. Like I'm not saying I'm dumb. I'm just saying I'm not really that interesting. But if you think about it, how interesting is any podcaster? I mean, let's be serious. A lot of people, everybody has a podcast these days. And I'm sure we're not the only assholes who do. So in ultimately, it, it's like, yeah, he became something of a hero in Japan, unusual for a foreigner. Hmm. Oh, the Nissan CEO? Renault and Nissan were basically one company at the time. Yeah, I always think of them as going together like Red Man and Method Man, or Mystical and Outcast, where they're sort of mentioned in the same breath. Uh Explorer, Firestone Tires, Toyota Throttle, Giants Despair, Weatherly, or Reading Pagoda Road Horse uh, Road Course Hill Climbs. Um, I've been to the uh, hill climb at the Pagoda, the Duryea Hill Climb, and that's really interesting just for the sheer variety of cars you have to look at. It's very nice. It's just, I, I don't know. I, I love my hometown, don't get me wrong. It's just... I don't always have a lot of reasons to go there, uh, but yeah. Um, where's Mr. Regular? Uh, yeah, he went to go get the hikers. So um, they were hikers who specifically requested him because he gave them, they gave him their business before. And I guess they enjoyed having him around. Um, but it was kind of a soft yes situation that it was essentially something that he didn't realize he was agreeing to. So yeah, no, he was credited for saving Nissan. So I feel like there's a lot of different um, 
different interpretations for a lot of people in the auto industry. I mean, we love Lee Iacocca, but I know that there are some people who don't necessarily think he was like the greatest businessman in the world, which I mean, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I just don't necessarily could see how people wouldn't put him up there as being a great businessman. But, um, but I mean, like, you know, it's the same deal with the Bob, Lutzes and the Roger Smiths and people who succeeded at various levels of business in the auto industry and some who maybe did better than others. You know, I, I, I don't think it's a necessarily one size fits all description. You know, Roger Smith catches a lot of flack and maybe deservedly so. I don't know enough about his situation to know that for sure. But he was sort of the custodian of a lot of money sink projects when it comes to kind of overpriced platforms that cost way more to develop than they brought in. Uh, it's just, whereas, you know, what was the story with Bob Lutz? I did a, an RCR story on this. I think it was the Chrysler Daimler sort of, crossover episode where you know they had a guy that iacocca wanted to take over um but it went to someone else i want to say the guy that he wanted to take over was lutz and that it went to another guy whose name was eaton but i'm not entirely positive about that because it's been a hot minute so uh yeah when I saw up-and-coming YouTuber Wendigoon do the story on Fortlandia, Gleam came on my eye knowing this was an RCR story I knew. Ah, oh, that's such a nice thing to kind of have out there, you know? Um, I have a suggestion for RCR stories. You could look into the many manufacturers that produce microcars in Europe of the 1950s. That is interesting. I mean, grand scheme... Uh, another thing I have to stop saying, grand scheme of things. So... Mm. Mm. My understanding is that Nissan became unprofitable because of Japan's traditional values, so they had to get Gosen to update their structure for the modern era. And that's something that I don't really see, and thanks for the comment, Max's Blitz, that's something that I don't really see happen a lot, where, or see considered a lot, rather, where we're having to essentially make concessions that are cultural in nature because in order to succeed in certain territories, you have to familiarize yourself with the culture of the territory in order to maximize the ability to create a profit in a very Ferengi kind of way. Gone. Thank you for the, or is it, or is it gone like John? Um, any pronunciation help is very much appreciated because Lord only knows uh, the only thing that goes more hand in hand with us is mispronunciations. You know, that's kind of how we roll. See, I keep having these brain blanks because I'm like reading comments as I'm talking. Go own, go own, go own. Carlos, go own. Bob Eaton, that was his name. I think I made a joke in the video about like not that Bob Eaton, referencing uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton, rest in peace, uh, the Midnight Express, and one of the finest wrestlers to ever live. 
Um, any new news on Bobby, Bobby Bustamante? Uh, unfortunately, no. But thank you for reminding me about Bobby Bustamante so that I can remind so I can be reminded so that the next time Brian and I sit down to write that we can kind of develop Bobby Bustamante. Uh, in my mind, he's kind of, I, I guess, kind of like me, like short squat, um, Hispanic, you know, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. It could be, I was kind of thinking like a short, fat version of Bobby Cannavale, but also far more neck beardish. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I have no idea how it was pronounced. I found him on a Wikipedia rabbit hole. Then his story lived rent free in my head. Thanks for the tip. Round and Brown. Yes. G own G own Carlos G own. I still have no idea if I'm saying that right at all. I'm going to see if I can get this thing to two hours. Uh, so just hang out with me another 13 minutes if you are feeling so generous. Um, have we seen the last of Barry Hofstetter? Um, oh, like ice cream cone. Gone? Gone? Is that the way to say it? Gone? Um, have we seen the last of Barry Hofstetter? Uh, probably not. The only person that I'm certain you've seen the last of is Harold Slavinsky just because I don't know it hurts Brian's voice a lot to do that character and also he's not really that popular of a character anyway he's kind of like or at least you know in Brian's experience he's not really that popular a character to justify bringing back there are a lot of characters that we can like call up from the bench from wherever we're whatever comical purposes we need but you know there's uh rinaldi and klein or you know the the wanamaker dude from kunkelman chevrolet you know it's something barry hofstetter's in there oh uh and also stan the man reacts i can't imagine him ever coming back because brian was very committed to him being a once and done character because i uh talked I remember like, okay, so I wrote the, the, like I, I came up with the idea of like this YouTuber character and wrote a script for him to say and a name like Stan, the man reacts. And then I gave it to Brian and he came up with this whole like presentation that, you know, the hat, the brand uh, tank top. And I just absolutely loved that. Um, it was brilliant. And made it a far more like people still quote that bit to us uh, sometimes, or just like, will show us image macros that use the whole bit. Um, and that's funny. Uh, Trent Falconrath. I don't know if he'll ever be back. It's, I kind of felt like his farewell was in the time travel saga from last year where I got lost in time uh, on the intros of the videos, which on this second channel um those are all collected into one long form narrative and by long form narrative i mean like four minutes uh, but yeah um it's odd we should probably do more like youtube stereotype characters just because it is such a it's not a punching i don't feel like youtube characters are a punching down thing it's always a punching up thing because it's so easy to kind of categorize them all as people who are mad that they made Luke Skywalker, angry and bitter, or the ones who are, you know, the very influencer types who are telling you to smash that like button and hit subscribe and, 
you know, share the video and hit up the Patreon and check out our merch in the description and this, that, and the other thing. Or, you know, this is sponsored by Simply Safe and, and, you know, and Zip Recruiter, that, that type of thing. It, it, it's just something about the that YouTuber vlogger type style. Now, granted, like all power to them, they're getting their bag and making that money. And I can't say that I wouldn't sell out in the same way if I had the opportunity to sell out, although we've had plenty of opportunities to sell out, you know? Um, and, you know, for the most part, we haven't, but mostly because I feel like those particular offers didn't really... I just feel like they would have been bad for us long term. So um, I'll have to write a stereotype Australian character for art. See, I can't do um, I can't do an Australian accent unless I have a script in front of me. So let me try to read these comments and not embarrass myself too badly. Um, brought to you by Shade by Ride Shadow Light of Nazi. I can't. I'll have to write a stereotypical Australian character for art. See, it's. Mm, it's funny when I'm at home, I feel like I do it, but not here. It's is this Matt Ferris million mile Lexus blue chew with sponsor anybody? Apparently CV 11 did a fantastic bit about the algorithm and liking and subscribing, framing it as a sacrifice for a malignant God out here in the wilderness. Clickbait titles. Now that's not a key. This is a key. Holds up a Holden case. See, it's, it feels like that's probably like a really messed up version of a New Zealander. Like that's not even close to Australian and it probably offends like a bunch of, see, there you go. It's Matto. That's Kiwi, dude. And that's what I thought. I'm just like, I can't do an Australian accent at all. I just end up sounding like, you know, like Korg from Thor. It's just like, hey, man, how you doing there, mate? Yeah, see, that's terrible. That's terrible. Um, late to this party. Yes, I agree. Give the playlist, um, the playlist of, uh, some of the, uh, the nineties R and B playlist that I was talking about earlier. It's called, I think it's Letty booty bounce. Oh, all right. My girlfriend just texted me. She's like, we aren't leasing you goof troop. We took out a loan for the car. All right, cool. The same. Okay. Not same difference, but I'm still trying to get this thing under control inside of two years. Knock on wood. You can be a Kiwi overland. See that? Mm. I wish I would stop interrupting myself and just try to do it no matter how bad it turns out, like these accents. Um, nothing is worse than Scotty Kilmer's titles. I don't know for sure if that's true, but I do know that he's like, how many times has he like died in his clickbait or in his title, in his thumbnail? Like how many of like RIP, I'm quitting YouTube forever. I feel like if you get big enough on YouTube, everybody has an I'm quitting YouTube thumbnail or like it's done, it's finished, it's over. I, You win, I quit, that type of thing. And then maybe they'll have like a dramatic face, like they're going like this or like any couple's YouTube where they tease having broken up. Uh, but I mean, the people who are really trying to leave, just leave without fanfare. I mean, Lindsay Ellis, she basically, I want to say she just put out like a couple tweets and then 
deuces. So go listen to, yeah, go listen to Matt's What I Reckon on YouTube. Bit saucy. The police arrested me. Yeah, I terrible. Um, I don't know why I keep doing this, but <laughs> is that real? Oh, of the, yeah, the police arrested me bit. That's actually a good question. I kind of wonder if Scotty Kilmer's uh, YouTube thumbnails are actually as stereotypical as they seem. I mean, I shouldn't really, I don't mean to talk badly about the guy. When I made my music video where I was essentially Avengers Assemble for all the well-known automotive YouTubers, I, uh, he actually like got back to me and, you know, made a little segment for that Christmas music video. And honestly, like, here's how it went. I sent out emails to every automotive YouTuber that I could think of. And even some who aren't really YouTubers like Steph Schrader, um, just to get them to cameo in the music video. And I got so many of them who came back that were just so gracious and so grateful. And, um, I, uh, the first ones were, um, Matt Farah for, from smoking tire. He was actually the first, uh, second was Doug, uh, believe it or not, uh, really nice, really gracious guy. And then, um, uh, gears and gasoline because gears and gasoline are really great guys. And I was like, just so, so nervous for this past year when, uh, ben Thorne was not doing too well uh, due to the due to the vid, and I was just like, that was all I wanted for Christmas. Just let Ben be okay, and uh, like we really didn't know each other that well at all. But yeah, he just always came across as a nice guy, and I was so thankful that he was able to come out of it the way he did. Um, and then, you know, like Hoovy and Savage Geese, uh, other guys got back to me. Um, I don't know. It was just the most humbling experience in a very uh, it's a wonderful life kind of way of seeing the people who are like, oh, yeah, I'll totally do it for you. And realizing that people just come through for you in ways that you don't expect. And um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just love that video because oh and Tavares I almost forgot him too um and the straight pipes there are so many people who are in that video that I just like I can't keep track like Joe Ligo our buddy who uh edits some of the RCR videos and who has his own AMC documentary coming out that's feature length and like professionally done it's not a glorified uh um powerpoint although I should kind of quit ragging on myself like that but I don't know. Joe's film is like a legit film and I can't wait to until the trailer drops on the 17th. I believe it drops, which will be uh 15, 16 on Sunday, I believe. So um, Roman looking forward to doing the big yellow car in the coming weeks. I also am looking forward to doing your big yellow car in a couple of weeks. That's going to be great. Um, but yeah. Oh, and <laughs> just a reminder, uh, 
because I keep interrupting myself right as I'm about to share it. But the name of the R&B playlist to literally anyone who still cares about that at all that we brought up like an hour ago is Letty Booty Bounce. L-E-T-T-Y Booty Bounce, which I mean, realistically, it's a lot of just, I don't know. It's all the R&B hits of the 90s and the 2000s. Because honestly, it's something where I, I, there are so many songs that she remembers that I completely don't remember at all. But then once I'm reminded of them, they're all I'm blasting out of the car because they're very much songs that you would be blasting out of a Mustang. Uh, <laughs> um, I completely forgot that um, Money in a Thing by um, Jay-Z and Jermaine Dupree. I had completely forgotten about that song and I went on a loop of listening to it a bunch of times because I forgot that that was kind of my first real introduction to Jay-Z for better or worse. Um, I mean, granted it was either that or can I get a, um, cause I think that was on like one of the rush hour soundtracks. And then I went and got the album that that was off of. So yeah. Uh, yellow is a based car color. You don't get a lot of bright colors because they don't sell as much. Um, when you were explaining the corned beef hash and said it was Puerto Rican eyes, I finished your sentence loaded with adobo. I know I'm right. Um, I'm sure you are. Honestly, I don't know 100% because, again, I haven't been able to get it right. But adobo is in all of our cooking, sazon, all that stuff. Uh, but yeah. You don't, uh, you don't get along, but you, well, you're going to love my banana yellow Falcon station wagon. <laughs> um, yeah. Car colors have gotten more boring over time. I just think of that scene from King of the Hill where Hank is just like, why don't they make brown cars anymore? And I think if you, if you can get away with brown in this day and age, I say, go for it. Uh, it was funny when Brian and I were writing today at the, uh, one of the cafes that we go to, um, there was this very intense, vibrant purple car driving by that I'm, I could not remember seeing a car in that shade of purple. And I think it was a Ford EcoSport. I'm actually fairly certain it was now that I think of it. And it might have been a wrap, but I just, I kind of wish that cars had some more adventurous colors, even though from my point of view, uh, I'm appreciative of every sort of bland gray car that we get submitted on the show because I'm filming out the back of the forerunner when we're doing videos. And a lot of the time, um, the more vibrant colors don't photograph as well because we're filming at the point where the sun is highest. And when the light hits the car in a certain way, it causes the camera's autofocus to go all wonky and out of whack. And so you have all of these, you know, it's, it's doing like the prodigy music video where you're just like zooming in and out automatically. And then I have to go manual and I'm only, I'm still trying to get down the habit of manually pulling focus so that I don't mess up the entire shot because we only have so much time to get the shots we need. Um, Oldsmobile Thompson says it is happening. There are more bright paint jobs I'm seeing out here since that BMW video. Um, I mean, honestly, I hope that we do get a lot more bright colors, even though, you know, obviously it doesn't behoove me to get more of them when submitted to us. Now, if you have a bright colored car, please don't, 
think we don't want to film it. We very much do. We just have to adjust our filming style. That's all. It's fine. Um, but uh, let's see. Yeah, California is usually a place where you'll see a lot of brighter cars. Although we were there for the Smoking Tire podcast about two months ago, and it was there weren't as many bright colored cars as you would think. A lot of grays, a lot of deep blues, a lot of black. And, you know, it's something where you would think you would want to have that attention, but the brightest color that I could recall seeing with any regularity was like candy apple red, which makes a lot of sense to me because, because it is a vibrant color that's bright without having to sacrifice, um, sort of it's it's not too much basically um ugh, excuse me brown was an 80s color yes it was it was very much 80s riffic so um same with kind of like that weird well i think like the the split pea green was more of a 70s thing um there were a lot of sobs that were that color um Although that kind of goes back to the 60s as well. So I can't say for sure one way or the other, the apex of those types of things. But let's see, A Swarm of Dead Insects says their gray was very much in around 2019, especially with Audi and Porsche, that clay one. Um, that's actually kind of the color our Nissan Rogue is. Uh, it's the, that weird clay type formation. <laughs> um, but... Mm. Part of it is the attention magnet factor. Unless you have the cash flow to possibly handle a ticket for going 56 and a 55, the subdued colors draw the eye less. It's true. I mean, if you look at something like, um, I don't know, just any Honda or any bland uh, Kia, like a, a Kia Forte from today, even though it is it is going for that sort of futuristic type of look, it is very just just, I don't know. It's benign. You don't notice it. And so if you're trying to sort of blend in with everyone else at the King of Prussia parking lot so that you can sell Tetracell white to the nearest, you know, I don't know, Bajoran, then you're, you're just, I don't know. It's something where I don't know that you're going to be noticed by anybody. And for some people, that's kind of the point. I don't necessarily want to be noticed. I have a deep red, almost maroonish Mustang out there that like for crying out loud, it's V6. Like, come on now. Like, am I really trying to have anybody notice me whatsoever? I just got the car because I liked it. Even though I didn't, I didn't really have the capacity to hold out waiting for a manual transmission or hold out waiting for something that was a more recent version of the thing I liked. I had, you know, five grand in my pocket because I had just written for a TV show and I wanted to get a car because I had never had a car in my own name before. And so I got that. And that's why I love her because she's been buying me through thick and thin. And she was the first car that was in my name that I didn't have to borrow from anybody. That I didn't have to check in and say like, Hey, uh, I'm bringing back the car now, but also can you give me a ride back? Because and going both ways. Like I, I, I just, I don't, I don't want to be the person who, over romanticizes their first car, but it is a very romantic thing to me because I don't know. I've had a lot of good years in that car and I know she's on the tail end of it, 
You know, I don't know how much longer I can make that car work, but I want to have her run until the wheels fall off because really I can't, I can't afford a new car right now. Um, I, I just, I need to keep her running as long as I can because the alternative is something far more just impractical for my purposes. But, and I don't want to do like a crowdfund thing because I just feel like that's disrespectful to you guys of, not that like, I shouldn't say disrespectful. That's like the wrong term, but it's just like, you guys already do such a good job of helping me support the people I love and myself as well. And nobody owes it to me to be able to drive a car that I want. You know, I, I have to make that happen on my own. Uh, so yeah. Um, waited out. The car market is stupid right now. Is it ever? It's kind of like a housing market. I, I mean, I'm sure that it's a supply situation, but I mean, it goes back to, how weird companies are being right now in terms of uh, the car, the car market in general, uh, because again, it's like BMW with the, you know, locking heated seats behind a subscription fee, you know um, it's, I couldn't imagine having something that is there in the car and you still have to pay to have it unlocked. It is as nonsensical as having a video game where all the content is on the disc, but you still have to pay an extra fee to unlock it. I've been playing the quarry recently, which is a narrative driven game that, you know, I it's, it's like a teen slasher film. Um, but it's, it's good. I mean, I'm doing terribly. Yeah it's very much in the vein of the dark pictures anthology or until dawn. And I, uh, I am getting all of my people killed. <laughs> I don't know how many people are going to survive this game of my playthrough, but it's funny because a part of the plot involves all the teenagers being stranded, not teenagers. I think they're in their twenties, but they're being stranded at this summer camp because one of the idiots took the rotor arm out of the station wagon that they all drove to get there so that he could, um, so that he could, you know, get an extra night at the summer camp with a girl he's really into. Um, and now you have the option of either taking out the rotor arm or cutting the fuel line. I took out the rotor arm because I figured it would be easier to put back. But then later in the game, I end up losing the rotor arm in a way I can't get back. And so I have to go to a junkyard and find another rotor arm, but that all goes sideways. It, it's a good game. It's just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, this has been going two hours. I should probably get out of here, but also, um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, two hours. It's, there's a lot of time. Roman Dua headphones. Um, being lulled by the sexy smooth voice of the Roman in a nap time. Well, at least you think my voice is sexy. So I, I, I have that going for me. Um, I am not used to ever hearing that. <laughs> I just always figured it's kind of uh, like too nasally. Um, except when I wake up, I kind of have like a cool voice when I wake up for like 10 minutes and then it's back to just sounding like me. So, <laughs> oh, but, but all right. So 
I should probably wrap this up then. Um, I don't know. I, I like hanging out with you guys. Uh, it's always nice because I never know what to say on podcasts. And I feel like you guys do a good job of propping me up and making me sound more interesting than I am, which is not to say that I'm completely thoroughly like out of my depth in these podcasts. But a lot of the times, like, Ryan is so entertaining that I don't want to mess it up by adding the wrong thing. That was kind of my deal on the smoking tire podcast where like I came out to California and I don't have anything to say. Uh, it's, it's that type of thing. You know, I don't want to interject just to say nothing, but also I don't want to force it. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing, uh, living life trying to thrive, trying to make the most of this summer um, within reason. So, yeah, did I go to the Folk Amish Festival last week in Kostad? I did not. I need to make it up to one of those uh, One of those at some point. I, I only ever made it to one Kostad Folk Festival that I can remember. And there are so many, like, summer festival-type things that just sort of pass me by. And it's not until I'm literally at them um, – that I realize how much I miss that summer feeling. That's why for my birthday, the only thing that I wanted was a cookout with all the people I love in one place. And it was very nice. It was great. It was very relaxing, very summer. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah. Hmm. And I mean, I want to get out to more car shows, but it's also a time justification because I have so many more responsibilities now with RCR than I used to. So I, uh, I like, I want to make videos for the second channel. I want to do reviews of auto brands. I want to do reviews of books and, and all sorts of things in the RCR style. I want to do another state review, maybe a city review, something where the second channel can be the dumping ground, not dumping ground, but kind of the outlet for all the other ideas that, we have that don't fit on RCR and have that be its own thing. And it would be nice to have it be its own thing. Even a podcast like this being its own thing would be amazing. But I understand that, you know, we can't always have what we want without putting in the work. And so I got to put in the work because none of this is going to fall out of the sky for me. Uh, and so, yeah, but I am incredibly appreciative of all of you hanging out for the extra hour and change. And I am incredibly grateful for everybody who joins this podcast to hang out or to comment. And you guys are allowing me to live my dream, which is to make a living as a writer. And I would not be able to do any of this without you guys. And I hope you understand just how vital you all are all of your support, all of your words, all of your shares, likes, subscriptions, like it's whatever. And, um, well, it's not whatever. It's more than whatever. It's great. And I, I, I just, um, I don't ever want to be in a place where I'm not grateful. And so I hope you guys know how grateful I am. And I hope that you guys continue to watch and support because you allow us to exist as a much bigger channel than we actually are. So, um, and you prop us up when the algorithm doesn't. So I appreciate that too. Uh, so yeah. Um, 
I hope everybody has a great weekend coming up and uh, Brian and I have some work to do this weekend, but I promise it's going to be really, really interesting. Some of the cards we have coming, I can't share them all with you right now, but I'm like so excited for what's around the corner because we got old stuff. We've got new stuff. We've got a cat in the box in the comments. Um, but the, uh, We've got weird stuff, decommissioned stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm just uh, really excited to share that all with you guys. And I feel like hopefully it's going to be a great rest of the summer. And you guys are part of what are making it great. So I will talk to you later. For Brian, I'm Nick. Thank you for joining us for RCR podcast number 108. This will um, be something, this podcast will go up on our regular podcast outlets like iTunes, Apple, Spotify, um, Podcast Addict, I think Stitcher, possibly Google Podcasts. I forget if we're still on there. It will go up tomorrow at some point. I want to say by tomorrow afternoon, I have to get home uh pull the audio edit and then put it all together. Basically it'll go up sometime tomorrow and then it can be listened to or completely ignored at will. But thank you so much for joining us. Um, RCR fam, that just sounds wrong. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe we are kind of a family. I mean, I do tell you guys a lot of things. Lord knows enough of the, I've like borne my soul on some of these RCR journals, which I realized for a while that's because I was replacing therapy <laughs> with journals and I, I was using it as an outlet and I would feel better, but it's also like you're putting yourself out there in a very weird and specific way that might not resonate with people. And it's incumbent upon you not to need other people's resonance to feel better about yourself. And so that's another thing I'm realizing of just like, okay, I'm doing better by not making everything about me. And that's how you do it. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I am going to talk to you guys later and, uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend, uh, and sign off button. Um, Lamborghinis and Jordans. There we go.